time for Flames Unfiltered, your spot for Calgary Flames Hockey Talk. Flames Hockey is back, and Monday night's battle in New York was epic. Good evening and welcome to another edition of Flames Unfiltered, hosted by Brad Brood and Kyle Lewis. Kyle will be joining us uh, very shortly here as uh, he's on the road traveling. And Kyle and I were lucky enough to record a piece um, Sunday afternoon and that will be uh, will be played here shortly. Um, we talk about the trade deadline, uh, Brad for living, all kinds of really, really good stuff. And uh, yeah, always fun to have uh, good Flames talk with Kyle. All-Star Weekend, that is in the books, and I, uh, <laughs> I'm i glad. I'm sick of that. Um, I'm not a big All-Star guy, which everybody who listens to this show knows. Um, I don't know. I don't really have anything else to say about it other than it was my, my weekend of the year where I have no hockey, and uh, I had no NHL hockey. I had no junior hockey, and... Uh, is that good for me? I don't know going into it. I thought I, I probably needed it. Um, about halfway through it, I was like, oh, my God, I would just give anything to watch a game right now. Um, I don't know. Maybe it's because the anticipation for this, what the final 32 bring us, really. Um, that's probably what uh, had me wanting to uh, get right back at it. Plus, a, a good uh, a good game in Seattle. Um had my has my hopes up high, right? And uh, you know what? Honestly, a good a good showing on Monday night in in New York. And uh, yeah, I'm thinking positive thoughts. I'm ready for normal hockey and normal week. This week's jacked in the major way. We added a Monday night game, which we had, and then we play wait till Thursday while we're on a road trip, and then a Saturday morning game, and then a Monday night. I, I I'm sorry. I'm I like Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. That's just the way I am. I'm a creature of habit and planning, and that fits my damn schedule better, right? Uh, but anyways, I am pumped to have hockey back. It's good to see the Flames back on the ice. It's uh, good to have junior hockey Friday and Saturday night coming up for me, some Flames during the day. Um, I'm going to have a full-out hockey weekend, and uh, couldn't be more happy and more excited for that. As for the show we have for you tonight, um, we're going to recap with... We're going to recap one hell of a game on Monday night in New York. Uh, really, really good hockey game. Some of the Flames uh, fans are upset about it. I'm not. Um, I got some thoughts on that game, though, and, and they're interesting. And That'll be coming up in the next segment. Plus, we'll uh, go around some Flames news, All-Star Weekend, call-ups, injury update. Uh, then Kyle Jones joins me, and uh, we recorded that again on Sunday, and that's a bunch of deadline talk, and then... Um, we also discussed whether uh, Bradford Living should be re-signed and extended or yeah, what our thoughts are on that. Interesting conversation. We'll wrap with a preview of the final three games of this road trip. Oh, man, is it good to have Flames hockey back. And it's time for another episode of Flames Unfiltered. Thank you. 
Alrighty, Flames fans. Uh, yeah, after a nine-day break, the Flames take the ice Monday night against the New York Rangers, Madison Square Garden. The allure of the Madison Square Garden, I don't know. Um, I didn't think that's a great arena when I was there, but uh, I guess it is the greatest uh, sporting event arena on earth, evidently. <laughs> Anyways. Right out of the bat, good, good first period. Markstrom gets a start. Let's start with that. And, and what a game. What a game. Game of the year, maybe? I don't know. We didn't win. But it's, I think it's still game of the year. I thought it was exciting as hell. I, 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 it was great. Back and forth to start. New York scores first. Coleman gets one on the board. And this took off right away. And was it the prettiest of games? No. Was it the most intense, exciting and everything you want coming out of a break? Hell yeah. Dubé gets crushed by Truba in the first, and guess what has to happen? Who's the closest guy? Be damned if it's not Chris Tanev. God, I held my breath the whole time, but then I'm thinking, this is a Tanev moment. This is what he does, right? And I had people on flames twitter and tanev should not be fighting that fight no nobody wants him to be fighting that fight but if he'd have skated away everybody been like geez i wonder what's wrong with tanev is, is tanev not a team player anymore you know we bitch no matter what right right flames media or not media flames twitter and flames facebook this week pissed me off i thought he did i don't think he wanted to fight i think he wanted to get in there and just let him know that we're not putting up with that and uh, Truba just dropped the gloves right away, which is complete BS because Tanev gets the extra instigator penalty, which actually they call it a roughing, which I have no idea where they get. It is. We move on. And uh, no, I didn't want to see Tanev fighting, but geez, what do you do? Um, in, a, in a tough situation there. Um, then <laughs> let's keep talking about the rough stuff. Lucic gets popped by Sammy Blay. And, Immediately, most Flames fans were screaming that it was an illegal hit. I watched it over and over. I don't know, you guys. It was shoulder first, I think. Sammy Blay is a tough hockey player. If Lucic does that hit on any one of the New York Rangers, everybody in Calgary is just, oh, no, that's fine. You're only calling it a penalty because it's Lucic. I don't know. The only problem I did have with this as I thought the check was legal, I had a problem with him getting an extra penalty I for instigator. How do you instigate something that didn't happen? He didn't fight anybody. So how the hell do you get an instigator? Uyghur does fight, and uh, yeah, lefty KO. Whew. Did not know Uyghur could do that. I don't know, but I don't know how the hell Lucic gets a penalty. Kadri gets drilled by Truba. One of the hardest hits of the year. Uh, there was a Red Wings hit that was... Uh, Reeves got a Red Wings player really good. I can't remember who it was, but that was a big hit. This was a big hit. And I got another question. So he gets hit like that, right, in the head, right? No concussion protocol. I saw Kale McCarr get hit last night, right in the head. No concussion protocol. What are these spotters looking for? Holy, jeez, what are you looking for? What has to happen? 
might be the hardest hit of the year. But then Dylan Dubé has to go in and fight. Of all guys, Dylan Dubé. I don't know. I love the fact that our team stands up, and I wanted them to do that. It sucks we took extra penalties and they scored on it. But this may set a tone for the rest of the year. Sometimes these games, these games right here, set the tone for how this team progresses through the year. I hope I'm right, but I loved every minute of it. It's pulled this team together. Not that they weren't together. This pulled them together. Now everybody was screaming why Lucic didn't go fight and why he didn't spend his second and third chasing around. And I was the same during the game. I was like, what's he doing? What? The, this is why we have him. This is the moments we have him. Now officially after this game, I have no idea why we have him. I have no idea why we have him. I was ready for him to take a suspension and go lay down the hurt bag. Didn't happen. Now, I know in a tight game, it's a tough call whether you do that, whether you don't do that. I don't know. It made me question, and I know Kyle and I talk about it in in, in section two of the podcast today about like what's his worth? What's Lucic's worth? What does he need to do for this team? I don't know. I thought we could have seen a little bit more from Milan Lucic in the third period that we didn't see. He has to be a force or he's useless on this team, and he wasn't a force for us. Then Majapani kicks one in. This is not a goal. I'm sorry, Flames fans. Send me the hate mail. I don't think any of us thought this is a goal. I'm like, what in God's green earth? What the hell are they call? How can they call this a goal? And then Coleman's last year in the playoffs wasn't a goal. What is the NHL doing? There needs to be a hard, fast rule that if it's off a of skate and in, it doesn't count. Or if it's off a of skate and in, whether you kick it, don't kick it, it counts. Or even maybe modified partially where if the skate's on the ice, it counts. If the skate's in the air, it doesn't count. Shit, they'd screw that up too, right? It's an embarrassment for the league. I mean, I'm happy the goal counted. Don't get me wrong. It 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 got us a point, right, Flames fans? It got us a point, and we need every every single point. So I'm super stoked that it counted. But as I'm watching it, I'm like, well, this just solidifies. I have no idea how reviews work anymore or what's goal interference, what's a kick in. Nobody in the damn league knows. Not even Toronto knows anymore. The rules need to be looked at in this one. It needs to be a little more black and white because it's gray as hell and the gray is never right. So this game goes to overtime. And it's hard to rip on him because he's been better than we expected all year. But Nikita Zadorov, this was one of the worst efforts. I'm not saying lazy, more... I don't really know what the word is for it, but how he handled this two-on-one was atrocious, was atrocious. And then the puck comes on his stick where he could clear it, and he just bungholes it up, and it ends up in the back of the net, and the Flames lose a point. In a game that we came back, and we played so good, and we had some grit, and we had some toughness, we took some hits, we banded together, and God, we only got one point. Markstrom, um, 
I, I, I don't know. Part of me was glad they gave him the start simply because I think we need to get him on the right track. I, I honestly, I'm worried though that the right track isn't happening this year. Am I writing off the rest of his career like many Flames fans are? Hell no. This guy's a good goaltender. He'll be back to being a good goaltender. I just don't know if it's this year. He's not right right now. He's just not. It is what it is, though. Dan Vladar's been good. Dan Vladar needs a little bit of a run here, and we need to go with him. Now I'll probably contradict myself at the end of the show when I tell you who I'd put in the net on Thursday night in Detroit, but I don't know. We need Markstrom. The second goal was a bad goal, right between his legs. Um, in the OT, he looked awkward. And you know what? Everybody's been justifying his play with, well, he doesn't get run support. He doesn't get run support. Uh, he got four last night, uh, let in five. I don't know. Was it his fault alone? No, it was sloppy defensive game. It was a run-and-gun, high-flying, not the way the Flames play hockey game. Damn exciting, though, wasn't it? And yes, we lost. But the way we lost and how this game went out and the hard work I saw out there and how it didn't look like two teams coming off a break and how these players stuck up for each other, worked together as a team, I don't know. I don't know if this game doesn't turn a corner for this team. I I don't know what wakes up and gets everybody going more than this game. This could just be what exactly what the doctor ordered. Time for a little bit of Flames news as the All-Star game did happen. Flames had one representative. Nazem Kadri was there. Um, part of the uh, <laughs> gong show, maybe a word for it the only part i wanted to talk about is this um i follow a lot of other teams on facebook twitter everything like that not just the flames only because maybe i'll break it to you i like to see what they say about the flames sometimes but it kind of blew my mind when i'm watching the skills and mcdavid's up against cadre and the um accuracy shooting he beats him but the announcers don't even say that. All they're doing is talking about McDavid. They refer to him as McJesus. I G, what's going on here? He beats him. And they all they talked about was McDavid. And after it was over, they mentioned, oh, I think Kadri actually beat him. That's it. And then I got Edmonton Oilers fans out there saying, he cheated. He was too far forward. He cheated. He cheated. Okay, are we really testing full skills here? Do these matter? Was anybody trying? I don't know. But you're calling cheaters on this? Oh, my goodness. Come on, Edmonton. AHL call-ups, call-downs, what do you want to call it, to the AHL Wranglers on uh, the day before the All-Star break. The Flames sent down Peltje Gilbert Dewar. On Sunday, the Flames recalled Peltier and Gilbert. Dewar remained with the Wranglers on Tuesday, which was yesterday. Dennis Gilbert was sent down um, to the AHL Wranglers. Calgary has one extra forward up front, which is Richie, and one extra on the back end, Connor Mackey. That's where we stand. As of their injuries, Richie looks like he's ready to go. Tanev returned to the lineup on Monday night. The Flames are 22-12-6 with him, 2-5-3 without him this season. They need Tanev. 
critical, critical player for this team. Uh, the Flames are pretty much healthy right now with the exception of one non-roster player, Oliver Shillington, which we've talked about numerous times. I thought we would have some answers yeah, already, but we don't. Um, so we move on today. The Flames currently have 3.5 million in cap space. Um, projected out to be 5.6 million at trade deadline cap space. I don't know. We'll see what this team does. Um, I have my thoughts. I have my opinions on that. And Kyle and I will talk about that next on the show. All right, Kyle, it's time to talk trade deadline as we're just, we're under a month now to NHL trade deadline and a lot of uncertainty on what, well, I guess a lot of back and forth between the fans on what the Flames should do. And let's talk about what we think the Flames should do. Um, Because this is an interesting, not as cut and dried as last year for many. Not at all. You know, it's not. So I guess, are we buyers? Or we're not sellers. We're not sellers. I think you'd be hard-pressed to find a team that is more in the middle, or like we talked about last time, you know, what are they than the Flames? I mean, they should, with that roster and those cap hits, I I think they should be buyers. They have to be. it's, It's yeah, it's a little bit risky, but it's kind of funny because what they need is is very much what they acquired last year when they got Tyler Toffoli, right? Like scoring depth is kind of number one on on my list. However, I, I say that at the same time, actually, you know what? That's number two to me because right now I'm concerned about defense with with Chris Tanev seemingly out a little longer. Where Dennis Gilbert was just recalled again, that's kind of what that tells me. So, but what are your what are your thoughts in terms of what what the biggest need is? Um, the biggest need to me is a five six defenseman. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Shillington's going to be back. I know we talked about that last week, and yeah. uh, still no word, by the way, on that. But uh, I think a five-six defenseman, and and I am I going too far in saying maybe two five-six defensemen? Depends on the market. I mean, I mean, okay, was it two? Was it two years ago that we picked up? I don't even remember Gustafson and and Forbert. Forbert. Yeah. I have fun fact. I have Derek Forbert's uh, red game worn Jersey from that very brief flames tenure. I don't ask me why I have it, but I have it. I like Forbert. <laughs> I thought he was decent. Well, he's been a great fit and he's been a great fit in Boston too. Yeah. Uh, I, I think with like with those types of defensemen, like there's more out there than we realize. I mean, how often has a team acquired a player? And, and again, I'll use David Sumko's example. Like you kind of pull him off a scrap heap somewhere else and he's pretty good. Well, and it's not going to cost you that much. See, we're not looking for a top end defenseman. We're looking for a hole filler, and I think we can get one of those at a reasonable price. So I also remember hearing um, a conversation that Brian Burke did years ago where he said, you know, is 10 defensemen enough heading into a strong playoff run? I remember that, yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I you know, I That sounds ludicrous to even think that, but with the way this team is, and I, and I do think this is a team that – Okay, just by looking at the cap, and I, I I did some studying on the cap this morning, and this team has to go all in this year. They really do. I mean, if you look at next year, we literally have two million dollars in cap space free, and we're going to be down four. We're going to need four players to sign. We, it's not going to even mathematically something's going to have to happen to make it work. Yeah, yeah, of course. Well, I think you know more to that point is the fact that 
the team is built such as they are, you know, with regards to the cap it and the marquee names they have, Huberto, Kadri, I think you can add Uyghur to that list, Tana, mm-hmm. Markstrom. I mean, they, at this point in this core's uh, shelf life, which, I mean, the core has changed with Kadron Kachuk on, like, they don't really have a choice but to go all in. It, it, this is not a team that can rebuild with these types of contracts. No. And I think for tree living's sake, you know, in terms of his own job security, like he knows that, but anyway, he's like, this team has to make the playoffs. They have to. So I think, I think moves will be made. I do think that it's going to have to be UFA statuses. I mean, it's going to have to be pending UFAs that the flames acquire. Well, pen, pending UFAs or guys that we aren't, or nobody really is thinking of, you know, guys who are uh, maybe only have a handful of NHL games, kind of career journeyman types that, UFA is most likely, but maybe has a small cap hit for next season and nothing beyond. Like there, there's a little bit of flexibility there, I think. But uh, the biggest difference this year to me is that I think, like Tree Living has said in the past, like, well, we looked at some things, but nothing made sense for us, or we had some other irons in the fire. I think this time he's going to be way more aggressive because he knows, like, he's he's got to pull a, a few players in here. This is kind of, I mean, I don't want to say do or die, but it. In terms of his job, it very well could be. And, and I don't want to start some big discussion about his future with, you know, the season only half or a little bit over half done. But based on everything he's done, he's done a damn good job. He's kind of at the back end of his tenure as, as Flames GM if this team doesn't take another step. Would you consider a scoring winger your second need then? Obviously, probably. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, th- I think so. Now, one of the things we talked about last week, and we'll see more of it this week, hopefully, is like Pelche's role in that second line. Uh, Manjipani's been heating up. Dylan Dubé's had a pretty decent year, so it might come from within. I mean, I think this extended break of theirs is, is a big help. Um, so if there isn't a player there to be acquired for reasonable cost or they can't fit under the cap, I think internally they might find a solution. But I think they've really got to you know, look around and see what's available for sure. Well, I think what really is going to determine that is what the game plan for the fourth line is and where Lucic fits in and everything like that, because I would love to see us add a winger. I mean, I think on the right side, we're pretty solid with the Foley, Hubert O'Coleman center. I love it. Lindholm, Kadri, Backlund on the left wing. I I mean, I'm not in love with Dylan Dubé on the left side, although I will say in the last few weeks, he's held his own and, and done just fine on that first line. Um, same with Pelge. I think he's done really, really well, and I and I would like to see him stay with Cadre and Hubert. Oh, Majapani is a great fit with Backlund and, and Coleman. But then it comes down to well, what are we going to do with the fourth line? Yeah. And I don't know. I mean, if we could add a big time scoring winger to take Dubé's spot, slide Dubé down to the fourth line with Lewis centering and Richie on the right hand side, I don't mind that either. Richie or Doer, you know. I'm- yep. Richie missed a fair bit of time, but again, as we talked about before, he's had a pretty good season, and Dewar's been, he looks like an NHL player. Yep, oh, no, I've been pro. Yeah, so I think there's there's options there, but I, I think you kind of hit the nail on the head in terms of um, the fourth line and how you slot guys down, so to speak, um, and your ability to do that based on what you have at the top. So I don't, I've seen some different names batted around for like scoring wingers. Like one I saw today was Evgeny Dadunov which is a really interesting one to me, but not one I'd necessarily want to roll the dice on. But again, if you get a player of that kind of skill, you know, cheap, then you may as well, because worst case, he doesn't pan out. Let's let's talk about some of the names that we've heard in Calgary bantered around as, as wingers that we could possibly acquire. 
And the not names, Sonny Milano because he just signed a contract extension. <laughs> oh, no, we're not talking Sonny Milano. <laughs> the names that keep coming up, I, I've seen Dadinoff. I saw um, uh, Barbasov's names come up in St. Louis. Tarasenko, obviously. Uh, Max Domi, James Van Riemsdyk, and Tyler yeah. Bertuzzi. Uh, do any of those, all, all of which are pending UFAs, do any of those um, strike you as guys um, that would that would fit the spot we're looking for and move this team to another level? Barbashev is interesting to me because he he played junior here actually, and he's a really skilled player. And I think one thing we've owned all year is the team has lost a lot of skill with, especially with Johnny Gaudreau gone. But he'd be one that kind of jumps out to me. Tyler Bertuzzi is another interesting one. Um, See, that's the one that I kind of starred too. Yeah, I, I like there's just there's a lot of intrigue around how he would fit and what he could do. He's a good age. Van Riemsdyk is a little past due in my mind. I don't love all that chatter, although he'd probably fit really well with the Joel Sutter coach team. I just I've um, heard that that Philly's willing to withhold half of his contract or to retain oh, I, half I, of I'm it. Certain that they would be or some portion of it because otherwise he doesn't get moved. The one that would really shock me as much as I'd like to see it happen because he's a really competitive player is Max Domi. I just think the market for him is going to be way too high. See, I'm, I don't know why my gut tells me that one. I don't know. You know, I, I, I think he's fine. I, when we played Chicago a week or so ago, I was actually very impressed with his play, and I've watched him a yeah. couple other times this year where I thought, geez. <laughs> but as a whole, in his career, I've never really thought of Max Domi as, I don't know, that guy that changes a team. Well, he kind of had a rough go there for a little while in between, well, I guess when he was in Montreal, I mean, he kind of fell off a bit. Um, so I think that might be part of that perception of him. He's not a game breaker by any stretch in my mind, but he's the kind of player that, you know, put him alongside skill players and he's going to produce. And I, and his competitiveness, like much like his father is just really intriguing to me. And I think in terms of the care, and they always talk about character to the point of, you know, ad nauseum, but the character that a guy like Domi would bring to the team would also be like, I think he'd slot right in with that group. And we talked last, you know, last week about how close that group is. So I think that's a really important factor as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we've heard the name Vladimir Tarasenko and, and how do you feel when I say that name and him joining the flames? Be a marquee name. I don't know what Jersey number he'd wear. He's another 91, but <laughs> I just don't feel uh, like he fits. Does he, is he a guy? Isn't he's like, he's so much on the back nine of his career that I just, I don't know. Well, I mean, gonna, I, and he'd be a, he'd be a rental. So I mean, yeah, I don't know. Got a, like a, a great sniper, like a a great great shot. I don't know what else he'd necessarily bring. I think he's a guy that is a deadline acquisition. He would perform well because I think he's due for a change of scenery. Yeah, as, you know, some guys in St. Louis likely are at this point. But um, that like, he's another one that I think the price is going to be really high, and I don't know if the Flames can meet it. And I don't much to your point. I don't know how he'd necessarily fit. How do you feel? I mean, I, I'm real hesitant to give up a first-round pick this year. Yeah, well, I think most of us are, right? Yeah. I mean, even even at a 0.9% chance of drafting Connor Bedard, I mean, <laughs> you don't want to lose your pick, do you, right? Do like, you think, though, like, I don't think any of these, are these are the guys I'm naming off, are these guys drawing first-round picks, do you think? Any other year, absolutely. This year, I don't know because of the you know yeah. the, the franchise player that, that's in play, and I think it's a fairly fairly good draft outside of that. It um, is a very deep draft, according to everything that I've been yeah. told. So uh, you know, first round picks are going to be in play for some of these guys, but they're going to be 
known later round picks for teams obviously that are making the push to the playoffs or the asking prices, you know, might be an extra, maybe a second and a prospect. So they don't have to give up their first. Like, sure. I, I think the market's going to change a little bit. So with that in mind, I think what we kind of identified as one of the more pressing needs, you and I both, um, one of the names I've heard for defensemen batted around is Luke Shen. What are your thoughts on that? Love it. I have him yeah. starred and circled on my list on my computer. Starred I, and circled both. I, wow. I, he's the guy. Like <laughs> Last year, and I probably shouldn't even bring this up because this is not one of my finer moments, but um, I was all about bringing in Yarn Crock last year. I, I thought he was going to be the fit most of, of all us fits. Thought, yeah, most of us thought that, I think. And when True Livin brought him in, I'm like, this guy's did everything. He brought in Toffoli for us. He brought in Yaron Kirk. I mean, he did everything a G- GM can do last year. He did. Yep. And yep. and this yep. year, he's done very well with the Huberto situation. You know, bringing in, I don't I mean, we can say that Huberto has been struggling, but I mean, it looks a hell of a lot better having Huberto on your roster and the potential for what he can be over the next eight years than just giving up Kachuk for who knows what you know i i just i I think i think we've done pretty well but luke shen is a guy that i don't know i mean i've never been that excited about luke shen as a player but i feel like he's exactly what we need right now exactly i find it really funny in a way because i didn't think anything of him i didn't really care but he certainly didn't impress me in the least and i think it's because he was a young defenseman in toronto when he started his career, and it's just the absolute worst market to be a young player. Like bar none, yep. you could throw you know you could throw Montreal up there too, but Toronto is just savage with their with the younger players, and I think that kind of affected my perception of him because then he kind of went you know the journeyman route. I can't remember all the places he played honestly, but uh, um, Tampa Bay, Minnesota, Boston. <laughs> that's I remember one of those teams, Arizona as um, well. No, I'm sorry. I, no, he was not in Minnesota. Let me look that up. Now you got me wondering here. But it kind of proves my point, though. He's been flying under the radar for years now, and I mean the the consensus seems to be he's a pretty decent player, and he's definitely a Daryl Sutter type player. So there's no question they're looking at him. But I mean, in terms of other defenseman names that have come up, there's been none that well, have really Jake. Jake, I'm looking it up as we speak here. But Jake McCabe's name's been brought up, and. Okay, he's been in Toronto, Philly, and Arizona, Vancouver, and and Tampa. I was right on Tampa Bay. I was wrong on the Minnesota. Yeah, yeah he was in a Stanley Cup. Man, he's been in Anaheim Cup. too. Holy yeah, cow! Yeah. He's been all over the place. Yeah, see, and that's I don't. I would challenge any of our listeners to tell me they knew he played for that many teams because I don't think many people would know that at all. No, he was in L.A. too for a while. He played forty three games with the Kings too. Man, so he's played one, that? two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven teams, and he's on his second stint with the Canucks. Oh, so he's been eight. The second, wow, second stint with the Canucks in two thousand. I, I would have guessed four teams. That would have been my guess. Oh man, That's wild. That's crazy. So, and in the way he was touted in Toronto, you never thought he'd be that kind of guy bouncing around. But obviously, he's effective to some extent because teams are inquiring about him. I'm going to name one more player on defense. That's always for years. I've thought he was going to end up in Calgary, and I have no idea why. But Matt Dumba's fallen out of sorts in Minnesota, has been healthy scratched. Is this guy 
problematic or is he just not fitting into Minnesota or, or what's what's going on with him and do you is there any chance that he could land in Calgary well he's from Regina I just looked that up because I knew he's from somewhere in the west that alone makes him probably somebody they're going to look at um but I don't know what the scoop I remember his name in trade rumors maybe it was last season yeah early last um, season yeah it's come up a few times so he could definitely be a fit. I think he's a guy that definitely needs to change the scenery, especially if he's being you know a healthy scratch because he's a very skilled player. So I could see him having a later career resurgence, kind of like Eric Stahl did mm-hmm. potentially. But I, I don't think. Well, I shouldn't say. That. I guess the asking price is what I what I'd be curious about. What do you think the market would be for a guy like Matt Dubba? I don't know. He's making six million. Minnesota's almost kind of driven his worth out by not even playing him. Um, yeah. I don't know. I think it's, I mean, it's he's obvious. He's only 28. Like that's, that's yeah. worth pointing out to 28 years old. It's, it's way the hell lower than it was a year ago or, and way, way lower than his market value was two years ago. Um, yeah. I don't know. Would you have to give a first for Dumba? They're going to want one, but I, again, I think you could do a pro just because the cap relief too, for the wild, I think the prospect in a, in a pick like a second pick mm-hmm. and a, not a blue chip prospect necessarily, but a good solid prospect and my roster player probably gets it done. I, I'd, be, I'd be curious of that fit. I hadn't thought of that name. I don't even know if I'd heard it mentioned in, with regards to the flames, but that that's a name that I really hadn't, I haven't heard a lot of rumblings of it this year. Like I said, we've had in the past and I don't know. My guts always said, I just felt like he was going to end up here and I'm going through the charts over the last couple of days of pending UFAs and guys that are, I mean, to me, it's crazy Minnesota would move him when they're in the middle of a hunt for themselves. But if they haven't been playing him and he could bring them something else, um, even something they could flip into something else, uh, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't know that it would be off the table. And I don't know, he might be a guy that would – I know we don't have a lot of money to be re-signing people, but I mean, you just don't know what's going to happen during the offseason that's going to allow the team to free up some cap space either. Yeah, well, I mean, look at last season when they unloaded Monahan's contract, right? I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's certainly doable. But, yeah, he's he's a name to keep an eye on. I'd be curious. That could be a hockey trade, too. Maybe another team has, whether it's the Flame or somebody else, has a player that's underperforming and say, you know what, like if there's some salary retention here, let's switch a couple of guys who, who aren't, you know, do you trade, carrying the ball like they used to. Do you trade Dylan Dubé for Matt Dumba? You know, I was thinking that before you asked it. Honest to God, I was. <laughs> Uh, if there's some salary retained, because I think Dumbutt have one year left. Well, no, he's he he's a pending UFA. Oh, he is. Uh, That'd be a scary trade because you don't know that he's going to resign. Well, you know he's going to resign. You don't know if Dubé's got another gear he hasn't hit yet. So, but how many years are we waiting for Dubé to hit another gear? And I and he's been really good as of late. So this is probably not the time to be questioning Dubé's future but um yeah i don't know do, yeah, you, do you feel like he's another level i mean i don't i mean if you could bring in matt dumba and then bring in a a, a big scoring forward one that would fill dubay's spot boy whew, all of a sudden this team's roster looks um a lot different and a lot stronger yeah and i think they have the forward depth to potentially replace him if you know jacob pelchier or maybe a connor zary can you know, if Sarah was to be recalled, find another gear. So I, in that case, I think, I think I'd do it, you know, honestly. I mean, what, I, I like Dubé. I, I picked him as a guy who's going to, you know, 
break out this year, and he, he has to a point. I would agree. Yep. To, to a point, you know, not setting the world on fire, but um, it doesn't, you know, the team that's underperformed like the Flames have, there's, I don't have an issue with shaking up the roster. You're not going to trade a Kadri, Huberto, or a Tana. No, obviously. no, no, no. But all of a sudden, and, you, and, and, you slide Dumba in. Yeah. And then you slide. You slide Tyler Bertuzzi into Dubé's spot. Yep. I don't know. And, 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 and Peltier sticks. I don't know. I'm looking at this roster as uh, pretty damn well, I th- stout. I think, yeah, I think some modifications like that along with the fact, and I'm going to go on a limb here and, and say it as a fact, I expect Huberto and Uyghur to be much, much better Coming out of break. after this after this break, much I do better. Too. I think Wager's going to start to pick up a few more points. Um, Huberto, I, we know he has another gear that he just hasn't found yet with the Flames, and I think that's going to yeah, I think that's going to kind of change expectations, you know, a little bit around this team. Like they have a lot of skill that's not not playing the way that they can. Manjupan, we've talked about him; he's been much better lately. So there's there's a lot of reasons to believe this team is going to be better down the stretch, um, they, and I think tweaking those pieces might might really give them the push they need they've underachieved and but i but i've also seen signs in the last two weeks that show me they're moving in the right direction and another guy i think will come out of break pretty darn strong is jacob markstrom and i'm going to give you credit for that because if you're right and there's lots of reasons to believe that you are you've been beating that drum for a while while a lot of the fan base has been and i and i spoke to this too you know clamoring for Dustin Wolf, Dan Vladar tandem, which is just not happening at this point. Um, I think Dustin Wolf's the best goaltending prospect in the world right now, and so I don't do think I. it's much right otherwise. Yeah, exactly. But I think in Markstrom's case, there's a lot there's a lot to like about what he's capable of and what he's done in the past. And I, I think that he, of all the players that went on vacation or took some time with their family, whatever they did, I, I expect he's going to be one that is going to get better and better. I, I still stand by what I said last week. The Vladar should have more starts. Um, but Markstrom, we know he's a damn good goaltender. We know that. I, 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 just, I mean, I'm a huge Dan Vladar fan. And, but in, yeah. I am the first to admit he's been much better than Markstrom this year. And Markstrom had, has had that leaky one every single game, it seems like. But Markstrom's been a proven good goaltender in this league. And... Yeah. And he had a long winding road to become one too. I mean, he floundered yeah. in Florida for a while. He was a highly tethered prospect. When you look at his career stats, they're not mind blowing. He's, I argue, something of a late bloomer as a goaltender. Yeah, but you know, yeah. you look at you look at you got to see. Here's the way I, I look at this, and, and you know, you can tell say, well, you're living and dying on the sword one, and maybe you are. But okay, we know Jonathan Huberto is a good player. We know Jacob Markstrom's a good player. Um, for the most part, we probably don't have as long of a track record, but we know Mackenzie Weger's a good player. Okay. Yeah, very good. You have to trust their talent. And you can look at every player on this roster or all other 31 rosters, and players go through goods and bads. They just yeah. do. And, you know, that's... Don't, don't, I always use analogy, but don't you as well? We in all do. Career? We, we in, know, in, in just in data. Like, you know... But in relation to last week, he's like, you know, you're, you, you seem like you're really on the ball and really engaged. He says, yeah, yeah, I was in a total funk before. And, and sorry to cut you off, but yeah, relationships, same thing. Everything. In everything in life, we, we go through cycles. And, and these guys are human beings, and they, they are too. We have to trust talent. We yeah. all feel that those three guys are talented players. We mm-hmm. have to 
we have to trust their talent and give them a moment to get their talent going. Is it this year? God, I hope so. Yeah. But I, I can't see these three players that everybody's been harping on all season just falling off the face of the earth and not being good hockey players anymore. I just don't. It, it doesn't. Uh, it, it doesn't happen like that, you know. And, like and, you know, here again, like it's so frustrating because there was that phase last summer where, as a fan base, like we were just like you couldn't have been more defeated in terms of how an off season went. You know, after uh, Gaudreau had left, like, yeah. and then like when it, when it came out, Kachuk wasn't going to stay. It was like, oof. man, like I remember you and I talking. Then it's like it was it was depressing. I mean, as far as hockey goes, in terms of the rest of the things that were going on in my life, that's about as depressing as it can get since two thousand four when they didn't win the cup. Well, and all I could think about in my head was, Kyle, do you know what it's like doing a show for a team that's a, in the in the dumps? Like, it's hard to do a weekly show. <laughs> For a team that's yeah, not winning. And that's around the time you asked me to be co-host. I know. <laughs> so I'm really only here because you were depressed last time. <laughs> oh, jeez. Uh, well, it is. It's yeah. a hell of a lot easier to do shows when you're winning than it is losing. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I think unless you're in a, a firm rebuild with A-list prospects and something to look forward to, because when you're in this middle ground where you draft like ninth to 21st every year and your team keeps going out in the first round or missing the playoffs, I mean, yeah, that's pretty tough, but I get my point, I guess, in all this was, was that those players get traded to Calgary, like Uyghur and Huberto, the Kadri signed there. Like just because they haven't performed as well as we might've hoped now, Kadri, I would argue has like, they're still marquee names with a ton of talent and they're not going to be as bad, bad for those on YouTube air quotes as bad as they have been at times this year. Like they're really good players. So to sit there and bemoan what happened last summer, like you could have got absolutely nothing for like to replace Goudreau. Yeah. And you could have got a hell of a lot less for Kachuk than what you got. So are we really in a position to sit here and complain about it? No matter what happens in terms of making the playoffs or not, obviously be a huge disappointment, but you cannot argue with the return of those players. Any GM in the world would have made that happen with Florida. Absolutely. And that's why, I mean, and I'm going to touch on it in, in, in segment two on the show today in talking about the, the future of Brad for living and, and how I feel like he's, I don't know, maybe taking some unfair heat because if we would have played a game on the night when Kachuk said he's leaving, we could have said, all right, option A, we get nothing and we're just going to, you know, get a couple draft picks for Kachuk and we're going to just start a full rebuild. B, we, you know, we're going to get, uh, some serviceable players and XYZ, right? And then C, we're going to get Uyghur and and Huberto. Every yeah. single Flames fan and anybody that loves hockey knows anything about hockey would have been like, I'm taking C. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, even then, when you think about return and past trades, the only one in recent memory that was like, man, that was a good, good return was the Carolina trade. Everybody lauds for you know getting Hannafin and Lindholm. And you know what? Carolina uh, would probably say they liked the trade too. Still, at the time, Michael Carlin was a great player. Yeah. I mean, there's, there was all kinds of reason to like that. But in terms of what you get in other trades, either they're fairly minor trades, you get fleeced like they did in the Marcus Savard trade, the Dion Phaneuf trade, obviously the Doug Gilmore trade. But it's kind of funny that like, we got on this road, obviously, with talking trade deadline, but what they got for Kachuk was remarkable. And regardless if though, you know, Huberto ends up with 55 points instead of 115, it's still remarkable that they got him because 
in any past trade that I can think of, apart from the few we just mentioned, the return is typically middling or you're trading scraps to scraps. Like I'm thinking about guys that have come through like Chris Higgins or Alex Kotalik, guys in the back yeah. end of their career that they used to be able to score. They didn't do a damn thing in Calgary. And I'm not shitting on those players. It's just, that's Owen Nolan and <laughs> Yeah, like Owen Nolan was fun to have for a while. Tony Amani was a really cool name to see in a Flames jersey. Yeah, I mean, but seriously, like what were we thinking? You know, I mean, I don't know. It didn't work for the Leafs all the years. They did it with Alex McGillney, Owen Nolan, uh, bring it back, Doug Gilmore. But anyway, we, we're kind of losing the plot a little bit here. I just think that people need to keep that trade in, you know, in perspective. And the, and the reality of it is it was a fantastic trade. Uh, regardless of the term and dollars doled out to Uyghur and Huberto, like, you just you can't do better than that as an NHL GM. No. Now, because of how long Tree Living's been GM, which is since 14, 15, I believe, Right. Uh, when he took over for Brian Burke, he's almost 10 years into this gig and he hasn't got them past the second round. I shouldn't say he hasn't because he's, he's done his all, but his team has not. So I think with this roster loaded the way it does, there's a chance that, you know, he could end up losing his job if they miss the playoffs. But at the same time, I can see every reason why they keep him. And if he did lose his job, it's not because he didn't do a damn good job, it's just because, listen, we need to go in a different direction because, you know, he's tried everything and just can't seem to make it happen. Would you, before, we got to get back to the trade doc, but before, would you be afraid, to, okay, hearing, okay, we're going to go in a different direction, would that scare you as a Flames fan or would that be something you would? I mean, obviously we don't know what direction that is. But, well, and that's that's the thing. But I mean, the only direction that logically stems from that is something of a rebuild. Because, we, but we're we're in way too deep to rebuild. We have, well, that, and that's the thing. So, how do you tweak on the fly? That's one of the hardest things to do in a cap world, right? Yeah. That's why it's amazing that teams like the Kings, you know, are able to win a few cups or the Lightning. The Avalanche could do it. I mean, that, that's remarkable because there's so much parity and so many cap issues. But, um, I, I guess you just kind of answered your own question or answered it for me. I don't know who could do a better job on the fly like Tree Living has because you're not getting rid of those massive contracts. No. I think the so. best guy for, I mean, geez, I sound like I'm Brad Tree Living's agent here, but like, I, I, I think it might be after the show. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, all in all, though, I just, I just look at his, his amount of work and, and what he's done. And it's, it's, it hasn't been, it's been pretty damn good considering yeah. where where we were before Bradford living, right? Yeah, absolutely. One more trade thing I want to talk to you about before I, I let you get on with your, your Sunday afternoon. Uh, reports came out from this week from multiple sources, none being which I would consider super credible, but I don't know. It got me thinking um, that there was interest from an Eastern Conference powerhouse uh, from Milan Lucic. I heard, yeah, I, I saw that too. Actually, I wasn't. I was wondering where you're going with that at first. And as soon as you said his name, I'm like, yeah, I did see that headline. Um, what did you? What would you? What did you think when you saw that? Intangibles, toughness, all those buzzwords that people like Daryl Sutter like. Um, if you can get anything of note for Lucic, <laughs> like a third, like a third, let's call it a third rounder and up. And because he's, his contract's expiring, so... But, you know, I'm saying this, but this, like, yeah, trade him for whatever, but at the same time, I'm like, man, like, this team does get into the playoffs, like, he could be valuable. I've said before, if he played I know. less... I know, then I, I know. Think, I think there's value there. I mean, who's another Lucic in the league? Ryan Reeves? 
Yeah. Give me, give me, give me another one in this day and age who can actually take a regular shift for the most part, pop in the occasional goal, drop the gloves, obviously. And, and like, remember when he destroyed Matt Duchesne last season, that was, that was the background of my phone for like a month. You know, the thing That's is, a beautiful hit. The, yeah, the thing is like, we all know Milan, we can't use Milan's Lucci's salary in this. Cause we all know it sucks, but if he's used properly and you've been tooting this horn and, since I met you that he's being over, he's not, he's being used incorrectly. He needs to play every third game against opponents. We need a guy like Milan Lucic, um, not running them out on the second line and crap like that, but like use him properly. And I'm fine. But at this point right now, looking at, you know, maybe Pelche sticking, maybe adding another left winger. Richie could serve as a, a, a force for us physically. Um, Walker Dewar's not a, a fighter or anything like that, but is is a tough physical player. Like, I don't know. Like, if that frees up some stuff for us to bring in a, a better left winger, like I'm all for it. I can't imagine a team would would give anything for him, would they? I think they would, because again, the th- the buzzwords I throw when you ask the question, yeah. a lot they resonate with a lot of people, even in a day and age where. You know, the uh, enforcers are gone almost, well, really entirely, apart from guys like Lucic and Reeves. And you still have to be able to take a regular shift. It's not like, you know, 20 years ago when you barely had to be able to skate, like, you know, when Rocky Thompson was flying around. <laughs> um, his hair was flying around, I should say. Um, th- there's still people that are teams that value that. And, I mean, there's so many. It's it's such an old boys club, the people that run this league, right? And, I, and I'm thinking right now of Jim Rutherford and his stupid comments during the Bruce, Bruce Boudreau fiasco. Like, there's so many old men in this game that think that being big is, like, essential in hockey. And it's definitely an asset if you can skate, among other things. But, I mean, like, remember, like, in the Flames drafted Hunter Smith? Like, what a waste of a pick. And no disrespect to the player. Had a great pro hockey career, obviously. I'm not sure where he is now. But people value those things. We don't necessarily value them anymore. Well, not as much as maybe these guys I, do. I, I do. I think they're a place, but I mean, you know, obviously don't need to pay them $5 million, which that's, we, we can't change that now, but like, yeah, yeah, just remember they signed the Oilers signed him to replace Taylor Hall. Oh my God. <laughs> that's hilarious. Go on. <laughs> the thing is though, it's like, I'm all for it, but you can't run them out 82 games. Like, you don't need that in today's regular season. And in the playoffs, I don't think we need fighters. We need strong physical bodies. And I don't know. I I, I don't know that, you know, having Richie and Zahorna there ready to to go, although Zahorna is not as physical as he should be for his size. I I don't know. Do Do we need it? I mean... Do we need it to beat? I always look at it this way. Okay, like who are we probably going to play in the playoffs? So we okay. Do we need it to beat the Oilers? That's probably where didn't, the end game is. Do we need it to beat the Oilers? Didn't help. Didn't help, did it? No. Uh, well, re- realistically, I think your your biggest concern with the Oilers speed at this point speed. But if you're worried about a tough guy, the toughest guy in that team, arguably probably Evander Kane, assuming he'll be healthy at that point. Yeah. Dazm Kadri's the answer for that. Kadri and Kane had a great rivalry in the past. So we've already probably plugged that hole, right? We Our biggest yep. problem there was speed. And 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 and, and, and I look up and down on our roster, and the one thing I question is, God, are we, are we fast enough? Are we fast enough? Are we fast enough? 
Well, and see, Sutter had often said the team didn't play with enough pace, which was true. Mm-hmm. But there's a difference between pace and foot speed. And yep. This team lacks foot speed, and that's a big problem for them. Toffoli's not the fleetest of foot. Oh. Huberto isn't. Um, obviously, Lucic isn't, although for his size, he does move fairly well. But my question now, I'm going to circle this back to you. If there's a trade there for Lucic, would you make it, and what would it take for you to make it? I'll drive him to the airport. I think, agree, I think we agree there's some value there. So I'll drive him to the airport. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. I just I I understand that you're, role. You're, you're done. You're, you're you're willing to move in matter for, for whatever you could get. Yeah, and I know we're not going to get much because it's late. And then I mean, it's I, I just I don't think we we're going to get a whole. I don't think we're going to get much. But okay, I just look at this team and how we built it last year for the playoffs, and it didn't work. And and we were slower. And he's not making us any faster. And a Richie on the wing. Who I sound like the biggest Richie proponent. This, I mean, to living in Richie, you're going to probably send me cards after this show. But I, 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 I don't think he helps us as much as his slow foot speed hurts us. I would agree. And actually, when you mentioned Richie again, I just thought, in terms of toughness, again with the air quotes, uh, when he knocked out uh, Jujarkara with the Oilers two seasons ago in that fight, and. and let me be clear. That was really scary to see that because it was lights out. Oh, I don't yeah. like seeing concussions, you know. But you know, fighting still happens in hockey, and and Richie, you know, he's he can play that role. I mean, that's one of the roles he needs to play to keep a regular spot in any lineup. I think so. I mean, will you take Lucic out? We're still a big, strong, physical team. Mm-hmm. I mean, Cadre can play physical. You know, you you got Zadorov. You got, you, you got well, Richie. Let's remember you got... too that that fighting and physical are not the same thing. Sometimes oh. fighting is being, is a part of being physical. Look at Dennis Gilbert. I mean, he fights, seems like, every game that he plays. Yeah. Um, but Kadri is physical. Like, Backlund is, is great in the forecheck. I mean, a physical game isn't predicated on fighting. So you take that element out of it, I think you've got Mika Vince, too, that you take what you can get to, to move on from him. Um, I feel I, like I, it but opens I, I do his... think they can do reasonably well in a trade. I think they could get a third-round pick for him for yeah. a team that really values those intangibles that I mentioned. And I think I think what you do... Is I mean, you use that to pick up. I mean, you use that slot, open slot, to pick up. You know, a, a better left winger, whether it be. I mean, even a. I don't. I like Van Riemsdyk's net presence. I think he's a little old, but we're not re-signing him anyways. So he could probably get. You know, Bertuzzi would be probably my main target up front. Yep. Um, but you know. <laughs> So I, I, I subtract Lucic from our 12 and add Bertuzzi. Are we a better team? 100%. Yeah. I, yeah 100%. I just feel like if I, I, actually, I'm, I'm, <laughs> that was probably rhetorical, but I felt the need to answer it just the same. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, just for emphasis. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It, it, do you think, do you think this deadline is going to be a busy deadline or are the cap constraints going to hinder it? I, I find teams are getting more creative all the time. Uh, we're, I don't think we're going to see, you know, a few years ago where we had, I don't know, what was, I don't know what the numbers were, like 50 trades or whatever, um, or 40 some. I can't remember what it was, but I, I think it's going to be steady, um, but I don't anticipate it being crazy. What, what are your thoughts? I don't see it being crazy. I think it's going to be, there'll be moves, obviously, but I, it's going to be hard and i i think we'll see a lot of the moves prior to the cap simply because um difficult trades take time and if you're waiting until deadline day it's hard to take time oh that's like like the toffoli trade last yeah. year 
ahead of the deadline. And I think, um, I, th- I think there's the reason it might be a little busier than normal is there's so many teams that are on the bubble. There is. And there's so a lot there's- of decent players available. Uh, you know, when you start rattling off names like O'Reilly and Taze and, and possibly Kane, and you, you know, you look at the list and, ah, there's some big names that, uh, that could be moved as deadlines. So, uh, it, it really, really, really could be interesting. And it's going to be fun to see how the, how the flames react and, and a lot of how the, teams in the pacific react with stone going out in vegas i can't help but think they're going to be wild and crazy to make moves and and i feel like edmonton's got to be poking around for for some extra yep. depth and uh That's it'll be interesting should be interesting yep it will be for sure coming uh yeah it's getting closer and closer i think you're gonna start seeing trades in the next couple of weeks like like i mentioned the defoli one last year i think that'll uh you should see the kickstart here soon it may, it may be the horvat trade was kind of the first time of the fall yeah, and I think we will too. I, I think we'll see. Uh, we'll definitely see some some action as as teams get back to action on on Monday night, and I cannot wait for them to get uh, back to action because this break has seemed really really long. So yeah, you're, you were clamoring last week. So you must be in withdrawal mode at this point. I'm ready for hockey again. I am. Yeah, I think yeah, it's maybe the ex- maybe the excitement of what this break will do for the team. You know, I. I I don't know. Well, again, COVID break last year was fantastic for them. Um, not ideal circumstances, mind you, but you know it, it was great. And I, a lot of this team has changed, but a lot of it's the same. And this is the time when you want to get hot. So hopefully that's the case. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you stopping on, Kyle, today and joining us in this segment. And uh, we're back Wednesday or next week again for a, a regular episode. But uh, safe travels this week, and uh, we will talk soon. Much appreciated. Get all your Flames Unfiltered podcasts, team news, team updates, and highlights at flamesunfiltered.com. The four-game road trip continues for the Flames. If you're Daryl Sutter, you're calling this a five-game road trip. Yeah, Daryl, there was a nine-day break in the middle. I don't know. Thursday it happens, Calgary in Detroit. Detroit currently 7th in the Atlantic. They are coming off a 5-2 loss to the Edmonton Oilers. This is the first of two meetings for the Wings. Next meeting in Calgary um, next week on the 16th they come to town. Who do you start in that? I don't know. I don't know, man. I've went back and forth 100 times. Um. My gut tells me you got to go Markstrom. You got to get him a win. You got to get the monkey off the back and bury that. And um, as much as I feel more comfortable with Vidar and the team plays better in front of Vidar, oh my gosh, let's go into Detroit. Let's put Markstrom in. Let's get the win, and then we'll go with Vidar in Buffalo. And that Buffalo game is Saturday. And it is Saturday. It's a day game. I hate day games. I've said it 100 times. But this isn't just a day game. This is a damn morning game. It's going to be played at 10.30 Mountain Time. What in the hell? I don't understand why this happens, but it is happening. Calgary's got more day games this year than I can ever remember, to be honest with you. Buffalo currently fourth in the Atlantic. Points on eight of their last ten. This team is good. They've got some young players that are really really fun to watch and i they're one of the more fun teams to watch in the league 
and they got things clicking. This team's a good hockey team. We can't overlook Detroit. We can't under overlook Buffalo Saturday afternoon. And then the final game of the road triple taking place Monday in Ottawa. Scrap the Kachuk brothers battle. That is done. That is history. It is a game in Ottawa, the nation's capital. And it is the final of the four games on this Eastern road trip, a road trip that is long, that is drug out, and will be a real test. Ottawa six in the Atlantic, but winners of their last four games are catching them in a bad moment here. They have been playing some really good hockey. First of two meetings, they will come to Calgary on March 12th. I don't know. I, I look at this, and I think three winnable games. I think we have to at least get two wins and a point um, or at least four points here. I don't know. This is going to be a a tougher stretch than what the schedule looks like. You know, you see Detroit, you see Buffalo, you see Ottawa, and it's to be win, win, win. Mm, Hate to break it to you, Flames fans. Since the beginning of the season, yeah, when we, we got off of that hot start, we haven't won three in a row since. This is going to be an interesting, interesting and very telling three games of this road trip flames fans kyle and i are back next week with another great episode points are at a premium right now i can't wait to get back here next wednesday and talk to you about how this road trip ended up it's the push to the playoffs deadline's coming soon what will we do are we buyers i don't know we'll see check us out next week Check out flamesunfiltered.com. You want to listen to the show, get on over to Apple, Spotify. Want to watch the show, get on over to YouTube. Have a good week, Flames fans. Uh, Six points would be just what the doctor ordered. We'll see you next week. Flames Unfiltered can be found on Twitter at Flame Unfiltered. Check out the Facebook page at Flames Unfiltered. Host Brad Brood is on Twitter at Brad Brood. And host Kyle Lewis is on Twitter at Van Lewis14. Like what you hear? Rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Flames Unfiltered can be found on all the major podcast players. Want to watch the show? You got it. Check out Inside Edge Hockey Media Group for every show. Subscribe while you watch. Thanks for listening, watching, and interacting. Enjoy the hockey action. We call it playoffs! Yeah, baby! Playoffs! Yeah, baby! Thanks for tuning in to Flames Unfiltered. Check back for more action-packed Calgary Flames talk. This episode of Flames Unfiltered was copyrighted and produced by Inside Edge Hockey Media Group.